Welcome in, folks, to today's double feature. First up, I'm going to talk to Ty about Olympic qualifying. That's under 23 dudes uh, in Olympic qualifying. Heads up, we did not know that Yunus Musa has officially announced his allegiance to the USMNT. Wow. We will talk a lot about that on the next show. But today we're going to talk Olympic qualifying. And then immediately following that is going to be STP. I have a conversation with Kwame about the She Believes Cup. So if you want to skip straight to that for whatever reason, it's at about minute 50. Um, but for all my peeps out there, enjoy this double feature. Oh, well, hello, folks, and welcome to We the Peeps. This is the American Soccer pa 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 podcast in which you're going to get to know everything that you need to know about the USMNT. I'm Clayton, and I'm a rapper artist. <laughs> about the USMNT. <laughs> Holy Spirit. Sorry, I'm not and trying to. Sorry, I'm not, I don't want to. Sorry. No, no. Yeah, no, we're, no, we're disrespect, y'all. And, no yeah. disrespect, no disrespect, y'all. No disrespect. Okay, sorry. Frankie, uh, uh, <laughs> DJ Orgy. It's we the peeps. It's we the peeps. Welcome to we the peeps. Are you ready for We the Peeps? Holy moly, it's We the Peeps. Fans are coming, folks. Uh, what's your name? Uh, oh, I'm Ty. I'm an entrepreneur. Sorry. <laughs> Let's do this thing. To mention that. Let's go. Every instance of pomp and or circumstance is appropriate. We have a roster. We've had, we done had a roster. We got many Moss games approaching. Many, many Moss. Under 23s. We have... A bunch of those occurring, and we've also got uh, senior men's national team games that we're going to ignore for the moment because we don't have a roster yet. Today is to prepare for the most important tournament of a number of people's lives, perhaps myself included. The Olympics are on the way, folks, and qualifiers are upon us. Olympos! Uh, Olympos, baby. Um, but first, uh, please keep in mind that you can always reach out to us on Twitter at WTPPod, and you can hang out with us there. You can, if you want to, become a ratified peep. Ratify your peep status once, now, and forever. Um, with further pomp <laughs> and circumstance <laughs> involving, uh, involving $5, which is... I think going rate is twelve fifty in Jurgen Bucks uh, this week. So get your Jurgen Bucks ready. Yeah. It, de- it depends if you're on Coinbase or uh, one of the other ones. Yeah, you never. Know. Um, you can do that at patreon.com forward slash WTP Pod. WTP Pod. And that's the end of a house of keeping. Five stars, please. <laughs> Let's get into this. It's a Rasta Pod time. I'm going to read a bunch of names. And then we're going to get Ty's first impressions. Let's start with the goalkeepers. We've got Drake Collender. Well, let's start with some context. To U.S. MNT under 23 versus Costa Rica, March 18th. That's a Thursday. We've got U.S. MNT under 23s versus the Dominican Republic. That's Sunday, March 21st. And then we've got Mexico, the big one, the Ocho. Mm. 
U.S. Uh, MNT under 23 mm. versus Mexico. Let's fucking mm. get this thing. That's Wednesday, March 24th. The final 20-man roster has been decided. Jason Christ, thank you for making this easier for us to list out. Uh, let's do so right now. Matt Freeze, goalkeepers, both gloves. We got we got two gloves, three keepers. We'll find Hands out. Up. <laughs> Matt, Matt Freeze, uh, can you please slip your hand into one glove with JT Marsenskowski, uh, left left hand right hand style? Then we're going to take the other glove and JT. I'm going to ask you to slide that in there with wow, David Ochoa. Wow. We've got three keepers, two gloves. United as one. Defenders Julian Araujo, Justin Glad, Aaron Herrera, Henry Kessler, Maurizio Paneda, and Sam Vines. In the midfield, we're going to have Johnny Cardoso, Hassani Dotson. Johnny. Uh, Johnny. It's Johnny. Sonny. Ulysses Yanez, welcome back. Uli. Why not? Uli, be, 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 be. Uh, DJ, tear, 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 DJ Orgy, in the DJ building, Club de Foot Montreal, Andres Perea, welcome in, yes. the only person I'm going to the Jersey Shore with, Andres Perea, we have Sebastian <laughs> Salcedo, <laughs> and Wet Toast, Jackson Yule, Ugh, the cousin who I always have to make small talk with, Jackson Yule, I don't Ouch. dislike him. I just don't get a whole lot out of talking to him, Jackson Yule. <laughs> and then forwards, uh, Jesus Ferreira, Way Jonathan to put our Lewis. On blast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. To any real wow. cousins of mine listening, just it's kidding. An expression. Totally kidding. Just kidding. And I wasn't thinking of. I was truly thinking of Jackson Yule. How best to describe my relationship <laughs> with Jackson Yule? In the four, in up front, we're gonna have Jesus Ferreira, greatest USMNT striker of all time. Jesus Ferreira. Easy goat. Easy goats. Goats. Jonathan Lewis. And Benji Michelle. I'm going with Michelle Benji. there. And last but not least, Sebastian Soto. Least least, maybe. Perhaps the least least of all. Ty, what were your first impressions upon hearing the final 20-man roster? Well, the original provisional roster was already pretty disappointing because obviously we're not going to get our top 10 guys at the U23 level because they're Serginio Dest and Christian Pulisic and Gio Reyna and all those guys. Uh, but we had hoped to get a fair amount of the sort of second tier, your your Conrad De La Fuentes, your um, uh, Mark McKenzie's, and that hasn't happened. And part of that is uh, just the in, the difficulty involved in travel right now. So we basically ended up getting only one European player who was actually here already in the U.S., uh, which I'll explain in a second. So all in all, the roster is it's maybe starts with the like 20th best U23 or the 25th best U23. So we could put together an entire roster of players who are better than every one of these players. And so it puts us in a position where I don't know, you know, I think the Mexico always comes correct. They always do very well domestically bringing up young players. So they're not going to be that hurt by the fact that, um, you know, I overseas based players can't make it uh, due to COVID protocols. 
And we didn't even get all of our domestics because there are some of the clubs that decided to withhold their players like Atlanta. So there's no Miles Robinson. There's no George Bellow. And so this, it, it's very, very compromised uh, roster situation. And that this team will be pretty lucky to get through. But we've had higher hopes in the past and gone into this tournament quite confident that we would go through and been undone by, you know, teams that on paper looked much worse than our team. So let's roll the dice. And who, who knows? Maybe they'll, this, these, <laughs> maybe this group we could be that will mistake. know each other. Maybe they're, yeah, maybe we'll be that team. Like they'll, they'll maybe have their, some chemistry from playing, you know, a lot of them playing together in MLS and, you know when uh, guys say that team was a together, total B so we'll team see. and we never should have lost to that team? We could be that team. We're that team. Um, ah, it's an, it's unfortunate. Uh, maybe we should. So so a little a little disappointing here from the tie meter. Very tie meter is a miss. Well, how so, much okay, of that? So the, yeah, how much of that the is the background of this? If I could, yeah, um, please. Uh, so for anyone who's just who's just getting tuned in here, so the the Olympos, a large sporting event. They have a soccer tournament. <laughs> In order to make the soccer tournament not... Uh, um, what's the swimmer guy's name? Um, Philip... Phelps. Phelps. Phil... Phelps. Phelps. Okay, Which that Olympics. That? That's the... That, that Olympics. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. With, okay. Uh, yeah. Usain Bolt, that's the, that's the one that we're that's talking about. That's the one, about. right. That's the one. Right, right. Yeah. So they have a soccer tournament. They have instituted restrictions on the soccer tournament so that it doesn't compete with the world cup because they don't want to draw the ire of fifa and presumably get paid by fifa to do this in, in directly or indirectly so the the men's olympic tournament for soccer is a u23 tournament with three overaged players eligible so you can go to the the tournament all U23s except for three overage players. It's a 20 person roster. The women's tournament, you can bring anybody you want. So in, in the women's game, the Olympic tournament is the, the second highest honor possible uh, and, and does compete in prestige with the World Cup trophy, though, of course, you'd still rather win a World Cup. That it, means that yeah. qualifying for the, the Olympics is done with entirely U23 based players. This is kind of how FIFA has decided to approach this as almost like a youth tournament, like a U23 youth tournament. So qualifying, you can't bring any of your overage players. And because it's not a senior competition, the clubs are not under any obligation to release their players if you call them in. So uh, the coach of this U23 team, um, Jason Kreis, he could have called in Christian Pulisic, but Chelsea would have absolutely said, no, you can't have Christian Pulisic. And that's the case in normal times, but because of COVID, it's even worse. So going into this tournament, which was supposed to happen last year, right before the shutdown, we expected to have a compromised but still pretty strong team with the likes of Brendan Aronson and the aforementioned Mark McKenzie and Daryl DK and a bunch of other sort of high profile U23s. But uh, several of those players have gone overseas. And so right now they can't even really come back to the U.S. because if they went to the U.S. and then came back to their club, they, it would take them you know month, a month before they were able to actually rejoin their team because of uh, quarantine restrictions. So we've ended up with this like really, really uh, 
you know, much, much lower level team than we even had um, last year for this exact same tournament. And we've, we've taken a, a hit that's probably bigger than the other teams have for this particular effect. So what we're looking at are the the sort of lowest common denominator or something like some some such thing. That's it's, there's it's all these reducers. Are there any decisions within all those restrictions that Mr. Kreiss, Jason Kreiss, <laughs> uh that decisions he made within those limitations that were disappointing for you. So when I saw the provisional roster, which I think was like 30 some guys, uh, I was a little disappointed not to see um, Caden Clark, who's a, a young kid at, uh, at Red Bulls, who's been, who did really well towards the end of last year and kind of lit up the league for a couple of weeks. Um, so I was hoping to see him, but more for, more for fishy value than anything else. The one that surprises me a little bit is Jeremy Ebobise, who has been a fixture of the U.S. youth teams. He's played in U20 World Cups. He's been a pretty pretty much a fixture in in the Portland Timbers lineup ever since he got drafted, and he has done extremely well uh, overall for them and has played in the MLS Cup final and has you know faced big spots. And he's one of those guys where I think he's like right on the cusp of eligible for this Olympics because it's delayed they're allowing you to bring players who would have been eligible last year but aren't eligible this year so he's one of those guys i think where he's he he would be too old if the olympics were actually supposed to be this year uh but he's kind of grandfathered in under that rule so he's he's definitely in the veteran camp among the players that they have available and ahead of him they picked jesus ferreira who we have recently seen with the full national team did really well but we also have sebastian soto who Played very well for the U20s in that exciting U20 World Cup run where they beat France uh, a couple years back. His career kind of stalled out a little bit at club level. This year he's gotten it going again, so he's playing really well. But he's only in the second division in the Netherlands. So he's not, you know, lighting up a a huge league or anything. So that uh, decision I find a little bit interesting. And Christ said that Basically, Soto and Ferreira just beat out Ebubise, but that that surprises me quite a bit, especially because like they could have left Benji Michel home, for instance, and used Ebubise on the wing. Um, so that I feel like is is an omission that could definitely hurt us. Is that like proven international caliber type of goal scorer? So is it Sebastian Soto and Ulianes for reasons? Uh, I. Is that right? They're they're the That's only right. two yeah, sorry. European. Yeah, you're right. I I forgot that Soto's European based as well. But yeah, Uli is the one who's here for reasons. So uh, if you're not familiar, Ulysses Yanez is one of the the shining gems of uh, of the youth ranks who has done extremely well at that that exact same U20 tournament that I was talking about. Kind of came off the bench and changed games multiple times and was just just absurd in, in some of the runs that he would make and some of the times you put people on their uh on their rear ends he has been a youth product at wolfsburg he was in the la galaxy academy prior to that he went over probably around 16 i want to say so a couple years ago and he was tearing up the uh youth leagues in germany he had like you know more than a goal a game and just like ridiculous numbers so it looked like he was going to start getting more Bundesliga time at the the end of last season, but it didn't really come together. I think he made one or two appearances for Wolfsburg. And then this year, they sent him out on loan 
to Heronveen in the Netherlands, which has a history with American players. So they had Michael Bradley for a year. And so it looked like it, it would be hopefully a, a soft landing spot for him. Um, they're not a particularly great team, and it's definitely a level that he should be able to compete at. But he just totally stalled out. And he's made, I think, five appearances, all substitute appearances, hasn't started a game as far as I'm aware. And uh, it just never, never took flight, like, uh, you know, failure to launch kind of thing. And what we're hearing is that it's more of a personal thing. It's more of a, a mental thing, which you can understand, especially during COVID. Like, not only is he not at home, but he's not even in his second home, which would be Wolfsburg. He's, he's in the Netherlands and probably doesn't, you know, it's, it's hard to get to know the culture. You're just kind of stuck at home. Maybe he, there's, there's other factors with the way that the team is and the dynamic there that he's not huge on, and he's just homesick and wants to be home. So they released him uh, for quote-unquote personal reasons <laughs> a couple weeks ago to come back to the U.S., and then he popped up on this uh, training camp roster and apparently did enough to impress Jason Christ that he's ready, even though he's barely played in 12 months. I'm sad to hear uh, that maybe... Things aren't really lining up for, for Uli on a personal level. I hope that this can be a spark. Um, I feel towards Yanez and Soto, um, for that matter, mm -hmm. both ha who have yeah. stalled out in their a little bit in their club situations. Soto in particular, I feel sim very similar feelings towards him that I have that I did maybe two three years ago for Matt Miazga. There's mm, just, mm -hmm. I just, he's at a moment is in his career right now where his club game is not reflecting what he's doing for the national team. Uh, and it's hard to explain and it might be fine in the long run. He might, he might be as the guy that we saw um, in the under 20 world cup last year. He might be the guy that we saw make his first cap uh, for the senior team and score. Um, or he's, Matt Miaska, which is like sort of like a stalled out, like decent club career, but not that um, not never quite hit the heights that we thought he would. Um, yeah, it's tough. Like you look back at the the pedigree of the very successful players, you know, those those top, you know, 250 players in the world. And so rarely does this happen, mm -hmm. you know, to, yeah. the, to those players, like usually those players get fast tracked to first teams and then they're in a first team for a while. And then maybe they, they might have some struggles like uh, Kevin De Bruyne, for instance, going to Chelsea and not working out or Mo Salah, uh, also Chelsea. I guess, yeah, going to Chelsea. <laughs> Pulisic. Speaking Chelsea. of Matt Miaska. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, so, so you know, the, this, this happens. That, that does happen. But when you see the guys with like five clubs by the time they're 20, it, it's – that doesn't end well. So, you know, I don't, you, you don't want to write any of these guys off, but it's just like that, that just like at such a critical time in your development to not be able to like rely and get consistent coaching from like a single, you know, group of coaches and to feel at home and to like really dedicate yourself to your, to improving, you know, uh, both as a person and, and as a player that must just be so tough. So, yeah. It's scary. It's scary. And I, I thought Uli's situation at Wolfsburg was fantastic. And I, I don't know. I just I felt like he was ready, really, at the end of last year, but it just kept not happening. Like he was on the bench 
maybe five or six different times and, and barely saw the field for, for the first team, even though they had some like dead rubbers at the end of the year. So I don't know, maybe, maybe there's something, some, some head issues, you know, going on there and that's understandable. These players take on a lot of pressure and, uh, and, you know, it's, it's not, not, not all of them are going to just, you know, hop into Barcelona's first team and, and be able to deal with the ups and downs and start every game and, you know, so that, that we have to accept that there there will be a certain amount of attrition with the the pipeline, and uh, we'll but we'll see. This this could be a good springboard for Yanez maybe to to either you know impress Wolfsburg enough to get another chance, or uh, or get a, a superior loan move that he'd be happier with, like maybe to MLS. What were I'm not I I'm I'm not I don't disagree with you. What was Tim Weah's? How similar was Tim Weah's trajectory to this? Like. So, because Tim Way is doing great, uh, first place, or maybe just drop points today, but you know, in and around for the title versus PSG, starting for Lille, um, but had a long. I guess there was injuries in there. Never really got love at PSG, and then I guess did well at Celtic. So I guess the 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 place where they diverged is Celtic. He showed up at his version exactly. of Aaron Veen and just exactly and, and just played and was great. Yeah. 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 And he, he, you know, he embraced it. He said he really felt comfortable there. He seemed to really like the club and they, they seemed to really like him. So yeah, that, and you know, I, there's gotta be an element of personality to that. Like yeah, Tim Weah, as much as he takes after his father in uh, sporting terms, maybe there's a little bit of that diplomacy there too, where he's able to like navigate these different situations and really like, get along well with, with the coaching staff and maybe get a couple chances that other players wouldn't get if they had a, a different attitude, you know? So sp- especially like crossing all of these different cultures, I feel like Tim Weah is just a, he's, he's, he's the kind, he's a suave guy and a, and a, a, you know, genuine, seems like a genuine and nice, nice guy. So yeah. I think he can uh, operate in a lot of those, under a lot of those challenges very well. I think that's the side of the, game and players development that we don't get i mean a lot of people for example just say amazing things about like gio reyna for instance um well yeah how nice is gio reyna i mean i i I don't know he seems like a kind of a quiet unassuming kid for the most part he's just you know seems seems fairly down to earth but like, I, like, far, like, far, for instance, came in and was just like that dude. Like, for some reason, Favre loved Gio Reyna. Why? What sure, happened there? Sure, you know, sure. it can't just be down to to skills because otherwise, Uli would be you know playing on every team he's ever been. Of on. course, there, of course. There, yeah, not yeah, not not to speculate too much, but I think you're his, totally right. Like, <laughs> definitely, certainly, for sure, not to judge. We don't know. What leads to these, right. we don't know. you know, situations, these intangible emotional or character situations? We don't know what made it uh, Tim Weah successful in that way and maybe what's like extra. We don't know the circumstances that are, are challenging for Ulianas or Sebastian Soto. Um, yes, so there's yes. zero judgment. It more just looking into the tea leaves and wondering. I've been wanting to ask you this question, uh, which is mm. tangentially related. So Tim Weah at Leo. We have Tim. The, each weekend presents just a a beautiful bouquet of under 23s that will not be present in any of these games. But we have Tim Way at Lille. We have Tyler Adams at RB Leipzig. We have Pulisic, uh, you know, 
at Chelsea playing, you know, working his way into starting. And then we have Dest uh, solid at Barcelona. And then we locked have McKenney at Juventus. So, Ugh, so it's these five, it's these, this bouquet of five beautiful flowers uh, <laughs> every single weekend. I have been feeling like Tim Weah is performing at the highest level for the highest performing team of those five. Am I crazy? <laughs> well, I mean, he's good, but he doesn't, he doesn't start every game, right? He's coming off the bench a lot of the time. He, true, he's but got, he recent, his trajectory, is the, recently he yeah, started three, he strung together good. three or four yeah. in a row. He also, and they're, where are they, second or third in the league, I think? They, I think second today, I'm not sure, but yeah. it's tight. It's really tight up there. They just dropped yeah. points this weekend. He, he scored a banger recently as well. He's 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 doing great. I mean, our um, what, what were our expectations? We had basically said, well, if he never plays again, that'll be too bad. You know, that's kind of where we were at with it. So yeah, but hold on. It's amazing so that he's so my question is this. this: Yeah, impact for the team, which multiplied by uh, b- by quality, quality of, of the, the team. team. Who's who's doing the best out of those five? I think Weston is doing the best. Wow. He's got he's got multiple game winners in the league. Wow! But that league, though, yeah. I mean, that league. But though, they are, you know, they're they're a firm third or something like that. I think they're like eight points off the top, which is un, unthinkable for Juve. And the by league, the way, um, dude, the we, league. Why yeah. is why does why does Juve? Why does the Italian league? The Italian league has this like leftover good reputation that just can't possibly i just started watching the italian league because of weston so i the, all i really know about it sure is sure. this is yep. what's happening right now i, I get you and it's I like watching mls it's not the experience is not that different <clears throat> and like it, or i i think i think for sure italy and the the french league are comparable to me i think atlanta united would be mid-table Maybe well, I won't pick Atlanta United. Yeah, I think that's I think, a bad I think example. The best, <laughs> the best, the best MLS teams, the best MLS mid-table teams would be in, mid-table in, in in Serie A. Yeah, okay. there's there's a couple teams that are just trash. But and so, the, you know it's it's a uh, it's it's one of those things. It's like uh, the inevitable consequences of wanton capitalism. You have a <laughs> oh, gang God. of of teams that are able to succeed that make the Champions League money, and then I don't think they have the the like profit sharing thing that they have in the Premier League, where like in the Premier League, all the teams split they, the TV money equally. Yeah, they so Man U makes the same TV money as uh, Brighton. That's, did you know that that just changed? Actually, there's a new deal. Oh wow! It's oh, still wow. it's it's it. uh, the Premier League will continue to be the most evenly balanced TV revenue. Sure, sure. But yeah. it is no longer maybe except um, MLS. I'm, I bet MLS is, is straight is down the middle. Straight too, down right? the middle. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, which that's exactly what you want because that that maintains those lower level teams that be as being very competitive, which pushes the good teams to keep getting better. Yeah. But I, I also i I think that the um, like La Liga on balance is probably s- stronger than the Premier League, maybe. But no, that's probably not the case these days. But it used to be. But they like. <clears throat> there are teams that would stay up in the in in La Liga who would never stay up in, yeah, in yeah. Premier League. You I mean, know? I like think that, it goes that lower tranche is just so bad. Yeah, I think it quality wise, I think it goes Premier League, 
Spain. MLS. (laughs) (laughs) And then it goes uh, CONCACAF Champions League. No, it's Premier League, then Spain, then Germany, then Italy, France look just equally kind of like not that elite in different ways. I'm not going to go into the I'm not totally – I don't totally disagree, but I I think that the, the top four in Italy is way better than the top four in France. Though the last year's Champions League would uh, would would disagree with me, yeah, so well. anyway, you might have a point there. You might have a point there. To say he, that the top yeah. five U.S. players are it's tight up there at the top. So if you've just been tuning into the the Pulisic minutes at Chelsea, you're you're really missing out on some equally amazing. I mean, RB Leipzig in an actual title race oh right now. Tyler God. Adams, like really Starting a lot of minutes. Game. Yeah, a every lot of game. minutes. But by the way, can we can we just call this a fishy report because we've been we've been forced to talk about this <laughs> mediocre oh, U23 team. But meanwhile, we've got literally 20 guys who are going nuts overseas. It's incredible. Not, sometimes nuts in a bad way. But I I Felicity's hear the sound. got the beard back. I hear the sound and I I I'm I'm feeling it. You, you got got a minute? Can we do a fishy? Okay, yeah, here comes that sound. Let's, I let's lost go. the fishy go. report jingle. I have to make a new one. I, it's inexplicable. I can't find it. Um, but so just imagine. Let's talk some more fishy. So we did, I think we covered top five, unless you want to get into that a little more. Well, I'll get into it slightly. So the the big event last week was the Champions League round of 16, in which we had. Here's here's the scenario. We had two games a night for two nights. These were the second legs of the round of 16, half the games. Each of the games could have featured an American. So this was totally bizarre because we're used to having, you know, one or two lottery tickets that we try to, you know, ride out uh, yeah, and see, see and how Johnson. far they can get. We start, so we had yeah, we start falling in love Weston. with dual nationals for no reason. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, we had Kenny Seff uh, making it to the round of sixteen one year. Oh, so God, we had really? we had oh. Weston, Tyler, Gio, and oh my God, I fucking forgot Gio um, in my in my whole thing. Yeah, and Dest, and then we had Polisic the uh, on the the other uh, side of the bracket. But the the side of the bracket that had the four Americans, we had one. A DNP injury, which was Geo, and then we had three gut punch losses. <laughs> so it was like, like RB Leipzig was like still in it. Like they they got the you know they were down two nothing. They still could have you know maybe squeaked through against a makeshift Liverpool that had lost six games in a row, and uh, they got their butts kicked in the end. Um, Barca had the could they pull off the the come back against PSG again. They did not. Spoiler alert. And then Juve. Oh, my Lanta. Did you catch this one, Clayton? I did not. I got to watch I got to watch this beer in hand on a Tuesday night. It was fantastic, except that my, my guy lost. They lost the first leg to Porto 2-1 away. So they come come back. It's the tie is perfectly poised, right? Because they uh, Porto has the goal advantage. Juve's at home. Juve has the away goal. So Juve's still favored to go through. Porto goes up. Ah! Then Juve 
gets back in it with a goal. Then a red card for Porto. Then another goal for Juve. Oh my! They're God. pouring on the pressure. Quadrado is whipping in across every three minutes. <laughs> Quadrado hits the bar. Somebody, one of the announcers thinks it's Weston that hits the bar. <laughs> <laughs> this has been happening all season with these two. It's so funny. Uh, it's so funny. It's hilarious. So and Quadrado, Weston has acknowledged it as funny. So we, it's Oh, funny. really? That's yes. hilarious. He's like, because like, like, of the hair. Yeah, it's like, I, you know, I can tell because I'm a Westonologist, you know. But if I was not a Westonologist, I have to admit yeah. that one would probably throw me through. It would be so, tough, yeah. Um, and they they both have a teen number, you know, that it's 14 yep. and yep. 16. Yep. So, like, from certain angles, <laughs> it's Quadrado is just, like, so, slightly bouncier. He's just slightly, <laughs> like, he's just a little more... <laughs> In his, in his, uh, yeah, you can tell from his gait. He's, which yeah, is, he's, he's a little this is the depth of my Nat's obsession that, like, I, without <laughs> knowing of... who it is, I can tell you that it's Polisic running or that it's yes. Leo running. Or oh, 100%. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> if I just saw their, like, uh, their, like, green screen mocap suit <laughs> session, you know, like rendered into a 3D model, I could tell that it was them. Right? Uh, the easiest is Tyler anyway. Adams there, but yeah, they are all absolutely, all yeah, easy. absolutely. Uh, so it goes to extra time. Quadrado hits the bar in the like 89th minute goes to extra time. Juve still heavily favored. They got the whole extra time against 10 men. And then all of a sudden poor Weston, he like flails an arm out. It's like 40 yards from goal guys in possession flails an arm out, gets called for a ridiculous foul where like, you know, it's, it's super cheap. The guy slams the ball on the ground and Juve's wall is like it's Ronaldo and uh, two other, you know, hot shots. And they're they're the wall is ridiculous. It's like they're flapping their legs around. <laughs> they're stu- like making no attempt to actually like get in the way of a free kick. So this dude just it's like teenagers it, trying like, to do the dishes. <laughs> well foot or drive. Either way. Um so he smashes it along the ground. Boom. Goal. Four three Porto. Oh God. Juve equalize. Oh my god. What is happening? Right Porto. Now? Goal. Winner. Game. Good night. Heart so break. Porto, one of the best Champions League nights I've ever seen. Fantastic. Unfortunately, Weston is culpable for the the uh potential, you know, losing goal. Actually, I think Porto went up by by two before Juve got you know pulled one back. Um so it was just super dramatic but it you know i was like i was disappointed obviously that all that you know three out of our four guys lost in those two nights but i was just realizing the bounty that we have my friend the bounty that we can we can just turn on so the who, champions league and so expect that there's a, an american in did an american so Gio went through? through but he didn't play in either leg oh god <laughs> so just, you know so he'll probably play in the next round but you but know so we're, like, we're in many ways the theme of this episode is as you were, folks. Uh, we got a garbage roster that we're disappointed in, and we've got one maybe in the Champions it's League. 2018 all over again. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's all right. It is getting better. It's fine. It is. But the rest bad. of the fishies. Okay, there, I'll, I'll I'll leave it at this. So there there is a fishy who is outshining all other fishies, swimming so fast and so strongly, and he's a very large fishy. Ah, and his name is 
Daryl DK. Let's go. Daryl DK, get in. Get in my 11. He, Daryl DK is on f- total fire at, uh, at Barnsley in the championship. They're chasing promotion. I think they're like third or fourth in the championship. And he's got, I think, about four goals, maybe three or four goals since he's been over there, which was only mid-January. So he's tearing it up, locked in starter. And uh, two weekends ago, he scored an absolute rocket, worldy, Puskas Award nominee <laughs> from, it was like the the uh, Clint Dempsey chip against Juventus. It was the same spot on the field, except instead of the deft, uh, nimble chip of uh, Dempsey's cultured right foot, it was just Daryl DK hitting the ball 100 miles an hour, <laughs> upper 90. Unstoppable. An absolute tracer beam. It was a tracer beam of epic proportions. So wow. Daryl DK is stepping it up at the very best time. So he's going to be get for you know if Barnsley don't win promotion, he will definitely be getting offers to play Premier League next year. Um, still on loan at Orlando, and Orlando's saying all the right things, you know, because they're going to start a season and they they would like him to come back. Uh, but he's not coming back. Daryl DK saying in here, like he's coming back, he's coming back. <laughs> Um, they're just all they have to say what they have to say is nope there's no price we're not not selling him absolutely not and just you know but there but the problem is twist there is the a price. screws on uh on newcastle there is a price though it's 20 million dollars i don't think they have a choice based on the contract oh is there is there a clause i think there's, that yeah there's a buyout for 20 million which at the time was like 20. no way yeah exactly but exactly. Yeah. i don't yeah, know yeah yeah. But yeah, yeah, I think that's that that would be pricey. That would definitely be pricey, but he's what he's 20, 21. How much did Almiron go over for? 7 million? No, Almiron went over big big money. It was I think it was like 22. I think like you have million. every reason to think that Daryl DK will succeed in the Premier League as well as as you would have thought that Almiron would do at this moment in time. Almiron just had more tape like yeah. I guess, yeah, I mean, he he really had, like, one fantastic season for Atlanta, but it was definitely better than DK's season last year. DK was Rookie of the Year, I think, but, um, I think, but uh, Almiron was, was MVP. <laughs> rookie of the, of the Year, year so. in our hearts, anyways. Yeah, okay, okay. All right, <laughs> so we'll see how it goes. Um, uh, other just quick hits around the fishy world, Josh Sargent scoring goals. Let's go. Oh, Josh is on fire, too. How yeah. can I forget? Oh, my God. It's a quick hits, man. What a bouquet. Um, sad, Josh, yeah. yeah, Josh Sargent's on fire. Matthew Hoppy back of the line again. <laughs> get to the. He was an important. Get out of here, he Matthew was an important Hoppy. pace setter. He had to break the wind out there. Exactly, exactly. Um, He's like that dude for Lance Armstrong. That just yeah, exactly. Know, has to ride up there. Uh, five Josh Sargent and Daryl DK are slingshotting forth <laughs> for the final uh, whatever lap. Um, but any, I, I find myself way less concerned about the. The nine, the nine. At, yeah. after after the we had the January camp game with Jesus Ferreira being you know wasteful but still scoring you know eighteen goals and then uh, DK on fire, Sergeant on fire, uh, looking good too. Just looks looks like a man. He's he's struggling through a very you know it's it's not can't be a fun like situation as a striker. Mo- most games he doesn't get very much, but when he he's been putting away the chances that he's been getting. And that's that's all you can ask. That's all you can ask, man. Um, so let's let's close the loop on this roster before we leave the the peeps out there. 
the there's yeah, gonna be back these to the games. unexciting <laughs> well there is I'm something I, I appreciate there these is guys. i mean look, these guys are cool they can be cool listen daryl dk would have been in this group a year ago right, right? so the next daryl dk could be here right that's super important okay okay i like that I like uh that. the let's go with that the other thing is this is a this is this is like a Concacaf champions league situation where it's like it's not um although our best players are not in the mls it does matter how we do domestically with any group of u.s players in under any circumstance uh, or, or how we do in this this region of the the planet, and this is a mark of sorts, right? We're talking about not even the best MLS roster we could get, um, right. but this roster is potentially okay. Uh, I mean, it could be they could this team could play okay, which would yeah, be a major them, step forward, right? There's there, I'm gonna give are there like bits a... are there bits to bite here? Or am I am I stretching? No, you're 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 totally right, and I'm I'm forgetting. Like I was trying to look up the last roster, I couldn't find it. Um, but the last roster, I think, had Lewis Gill on it, and it, I, I think it might have still it had CCV probably. Like it was not, you know, it, it, it had names that at the time we thought would be bigger, uh, that didn't turn out to be. So it was. I think this roster is probably similar in quality to the one we had last time. And it's just, it's just that. um, So it looks disappointing because of the amount of progress that's been made at guys above this, this level, but it is an opportunity for some of these guys to, to establish themselves, especially like a Jesus Ferreira. I am legitimately excited about him. Sebastian Soto. I'm excited about him. Um, Also one. Okay. I'm legitimately excited about Johnny Cardoso and Andres Perea. I am not legitimately excited about Jesus Ferreira. Get at me, bro, I, on Twitter. I am l- would love to be proved wrong about this. I just think you're all drinking some crazy Kool-Aid with this man. No, Long no, friendly. no. I was in I was in prior. I was in as of as of last winter for on the Jesus Ferreira hype train. Not I think right, he's he's got right. he's got some sauce. Um the the uh, one player we haven't mentioned who I'm very excited to see more of is Sebastian Saucedo, so-called Bofo Saucedo, who was at RSL. He was excellent at the youth level for the U.S. in the past. Um, it wasn't really working at RSL. He went to Pumas in Mexico and has done very well. He's been playing pretty consistently and has had some some highlight reel moments. So I don't I don't catch a ton of Liga MX, um, but I the the clips uh, and highlights that I've seen of him have been very promising. So uh, he could be someone who can slot into that you know creative ten or, or winger tucking in kind of role um, and do do well and you know totally under the radar with all of the other excitement that we have. But he's he's a player who in prior. Uh, cycles we would have had as one of our top you know prospects in the pool um so hopefully he can he can show us what he's all about in this tournament all right all right next week okay after the second of these three games and prior to the the big one the ocho versus mexico um so it's it's gonna be an inflection moment uh we'll we'll know a lot about how it's going we might be out at that point. We, we could it, be out. It may all hang in the balance. We could be in. It'll all, yeah. 
And yep. we, we, we might just be playing we for goodies versus Mexico. Yeah. Um, we'll find out next week. But we'll also have a men's senior national team roster to talk about. So there's multiple things going on. It's like Tenet, if you've seen that movie. I keep trying to make that reference work, and no one's seen it. Uh, nope. But uh, but we're going to weave this whole tapestry together for you over the course of the next two weeks, and we and we hope that you'll stick there's with us. There's a lot going on. We've got WNT. We've got U23s, MNT. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot. I love... Uh, this little, uh, not to get too weird, but this little bidet device oh that I per- that, oh that, my that my girlfriend and I purchased. It's not expensive. It's from a brand. You can find it on the internet. Attach it to a normal toilet. You've got a bidet. Bidet life. Get with me, bro. It's amazing. I am also living the bidet life. It is a never going back. Never going back. How did we ever leave? This is like discovering that yoga's been around for thousands of years. Like, <laughs> you can just feel this way? That... Wait, that's what Greek yogurt tastes like? <laughs> <laughs> I, I really... What's the what's this stand-up special where the guy takes over America? Ronnie Chen. Ronnie Chen. Uh, love that guy. He's got some bidet jokes in that special, and I love that special. Uh, really enjoyed it. And I also loved the time when my friend came over and didn't think it was a real bidet, so tested the dial while standing Boom. and Boom. Uh, got a rude, rude Take surprise. <laughs> I didn't love any of that stuff as much as I love the Nats. Let's go, boys. She Believes Cup has concluded. The USWNT uh, has come out victors. Heck yeah, that was that is not a foregone conclusion. And not only that, but a full-on clean sheet, which I understand is a first. Fantastic, lovely. There was some. Uh, there was there was there was some Katarina Macarioing out there, not to be missed. There was also plenty of Kristen Press, Kristen pressing the opposition, Kristen pressing Megan Rapino towards retirement. Just kidding. Blasphemy, of course. We'll talk about it all. Kwame, um, overall, uh, what were your first impressions coming out of this, she believes, uh, consummate victory, consummately victorious were the good nuts. First impressions, I would say, is one, although the U.S. Uh, you know, won every game with a clean sheet, uh, there was definitely a bit of rust. I think it was a reminder that as good as this team is, most of the players are in preseason. Uh, and so some of the performances we saw were dictated by that, both in terms of sharpness and fitness. Uh, and then second impression is that uh, we're still... The, the competition, if anything, has tightened in terms of who's going to make the Olympic roster. Um, I think some maybe things are clarified, but I think it... If we were looking for a lot of answers uh, coming out of the She Believes Cup, I don't know how many we got, um, which is good, but also bad for Zlatko. There was rust. There was also rust being shaken off. Alex Morgan, she's back, baby. She believed. She always believed. Um, who were some of your, and by that I mean Alex Morgan's back on the score sheet uh, and back in our hearts? 
believe she goes firmly into fifth place all-time goal scorer uh, in this tournament. Who were – was there anyone that – let's start with uh, positive surprises from you on this – in this three-game showing. Reinvigorated, perhaps, in some instances? I don't know about reinvigorated. I say the people that stood out the most to me were – Come on, no whammies. Rose Lavelle. Got to be Rose Lavelle. I was going to say Lindsay Horan. Of course. Kristen Kristen Press. Of course. Um, And I would would include Roosevelt in there. Oh, secondary shout out. Yeah, I think she's (laughs) I think she's a notch below. But I but I think also it highlights how good she is and it, it and how it continues to be a little confusing that she's getting relatively little playing time in Manchester what City. Is, the de- uh, is that the is that the case? Okay. Um, yeah. Wild, wild. I liked her. She had a press conference where she described her life. Like, she, they were asking her like if she's gotten to know anything about like England, I suppose. And her answer was, of course, no. It's been COVID yeah. the whole time. But uh, she's she was like, I I play soccer for a few hours and then I go home and I read books. Not a bad life. Yeah, sit with her dog. <laughs> I, I second that. That sounds like a fantastic life. Yeah. Um, but okay, so your your standouts were uh, Kristen Press, which I am fully on board for that one, and Lindsay Horan, which uh, I'm also on board for that one. Although at this point, I, I'm I've I've gotten to a point with Lindsay Horan where I'm not sure um, what she would have to do to surprise me. It would the only thing that would that she can she can surprise me with, I think, is is a bad game at this point. Yeah, I just think she was the least... I was expecting some rust, and I didn't see very much rust. Uh, oh, and let me throw in one more, who I would say, Christy Mewis, I think. Ooh, I like um, it. I like the shout-out. Uh, looked just really sharp and polished as well when in her appearances. So there were a couple, uh, in addition to the Chris Press, Lindsay Horan, expected, not expected, uh, incredible showing, there were two newcomers that I was really impressed by. Uh, it was Mitch Purse, uh, the right wing back, I suppose. And then, uh, who was the other one? I cannot remember her name again. Sophia Smith. Sophia Smith. Thank you. All right. We're learning names. Mitch Purse, Sophia Smith. Uh, both new to me um, and very impressive. What what can you tell me about those two and what did you think about how they played? So Sophia Smith uh, is a very young player. Uh, she plays for the Portland Thorns. So she was actually a former teammate of Katarina Macario uh, and came out of Stanford two years early. Uh, so was actually drafted, not this past draft, but the one before. Uh, so it's actually a year younger, I think, than Katarina Macario. Uh, she is a attacking forward, kind of on the usually on like sort of the right wing in a front three. Um, really quick player has had a lot of success at the U twenty level, uh, and really has you know been in a few camps thus far. And a lot of people have commented on how she really seems quite professional despite being at a young age. Really confident on the ball. Um, Really, really good finisher. Before she came out, uh, she was one of the most outstanding players in the NCAA uh, Final Four tournament where Stanford won that won the championship. 
so she's definitely a player on the rise. She picked up a warm-up injury against Columbia, uh, the previous friendlies, mm. uh, where she was supposed to um, – so she was supposed to start one game and I think come in another game. So uh, that's why she may be a little bit out of the recent memory. Uh, I don't think that she's likely to crack the the 18 for the Olympics, uh, but I think there's a pretty good chance she may be an alternate. She's 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 one of the she's fighting for one of the alternate spots. Okay, I think, but but a future star. And then Midge Purse uh, is uh, a little older than Sophia Smith, but not by much. She plays for Sky Blue FC in the NWSL. And for her club team, it's a little bit of a Crystal Dunn redux situation. Uh, Mitch Purse <laughs> is uh, actually I haven't seen Tenet. Surprisingly, I oh god, okay, movies, well, but uh, never mind. <laughs> okay, <laughs> don't, but, don't but not worth it. Uh, okay. cool movie, well, but not worth it to try to explain what I was had in mind with that metaphor. All right, okay, fair enough. Um, but Mitch Purse, uh, she is also. Um, a forward primarily. Um, Jill Ellis, I think, had her into camp a couple times, trying her out at fullback, which she was wont to do. Uh, and Vlatko has a little bit resurrected this experiment. Um, <laughs> okay, so the movie Tenet, it's all about it's all about things beginning moving backwards and forwards in time, and everything yeah. kind of laces and meets in the middle. So there's a Crystal Dunn Midge Purse Tenet happening across the field here. Uh, that's it's there's like a perfect symmetry of motion occurring. Yeah, and you know it's interesting. I think Crystal Dunn, you know Crystal Dunn is a better player than Midge Purse, and that's no slight on Midge Purse because you <laughs> could really. say Crystal Dunn is a better player than just about anyone. Yeah, yeah. Um, but with Crystal Dunn, oh, Crystal Dunn, by the way, short hair, uh, don't care. Love it. Yeah, she's been she's been rocking it for a bit. I think it's it's awesome. It's part yeah. of her. Yeah, you know, um, I think she's talking about being a little bit more expressive and more herself, uh, and that you know I think that may be a little bit a part of it. Dude, I love um, it. Awesome. But uh, but with Mitch Per, so Crystal Dunn, you know, you could argue that there are you know four or five positions that she can play and play excellently with Mitch Purse. Everyone acknowledges, including Vlatko, interestingly, that she's a better forward than she is mm. a fullback. Uh, and she's probably good enough forward to be, you know, uh, considered in the um, – for the, you know, for the lineup if we were like a 23-person roster. Uh, but we don't have much depth at right back. Um, and so I think Vlatko's position is probably – we have enough forwards – uh, I have this really good player. I'm going to take a long-term experiment and see if I can turn her into a right back. Um, it doesn't necessarily cost me anything. I think that's his. Mm-hmm. I think that's his view. Um, but it also gives him a player for someone who wants to press. Right. Um, it also gives him a player that can attack down the wings uh, and overlap in a way that Kelly O'Hara can and has historically may not do quite as much now at this phase of her career, but you know, something of a, something of a change up. Uh, and so she, she's really good as well. Do you have any, speaking of Kelly O'Hara, do you have any, uh, so that context helps explain why I think she jumps off the screen on the ball a little bit. It's like, who is this right Mm -hmm. back? Uh, makes sense. Makes sense. Um, 
I hope that can work out for her. Uh, finding finding a new role potentially. Um, speaking of Kelly O'Hara, did you do you know anything about why she came out so early in the third game? She started and then was subbed out like twenty minutes in. Yeah, that was pre-planned. Uh, okay. I think they said both in, in the in the post-game interview. Basically, she's. I think you know this was her first game back. I don't think she played against Colombia at all. Uh, you know, Kelly O'Hara uh, is someone who I think is basically dealing with chronic injuries. Um, you know, and, and sort of fighting to manage that. Uh, you know, she somehow made it all the way through the Olympics um, without basically missing just I think half of a game. Uh, but that was definitely a question mark going into it. She really didn't play very much the NWSL season um, uh, that we saw this this past year. Uh, and, you know, I think we're going to see her in moments sort of moving forward. I think this is a long-term thing. So since it's preseason, I think they only wanted to give her 30 minutes, and then they, they, they pulled her out. Makes Similar sense. story for Casey Kruger. Mm-hmm. Um, on the uh, on the other side. Okay, makes sense. Uh, always, it gives me a sense of peace and calm to see Kelly O'Hara out there. Um, just there's something about it. There's not a whole lot of it, questions answered in terms of backup goalie, huh? <laughs> no, <laughs> not a um, lot of information given. Maybe something on the training ground. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure on the training ground because you know U.S. practices are famously intense. I was hoping to see all three goalies get a shot. Um, I get it. Uh, you want, you know, you want your number one goalie to be getting reps in Canada and Brazil. Um, you know, are really high pressure games, and 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 you want you want Nair to be sharp. And we're not entirely sure about what friendlies and prep we're going to have between now and the Olympics, but. You know that said, I, I think I really want. I, I've, we've got such great goalies, and it it hurts me a little bit to not see them used in games. Uh, Jane Campbell, Jane, Jane Campbell is a penalty kick scoring machine. I almost want to huh. see the U.S. give up a penalty while she's in goal uh. Uh, to see. I think I mentioned this before in the NWSL on penalty kicks. Her save percentage, I think, is sixty percent. It's like messed up. Yeah, so you like, know, yeah. you know, you have an intensely talented goalie there. Casey Murphy is uh, is super good as well, and I think a little better in the air. And you know, we know what Nair can do. Um, yeah, but we don't. I really think we have to blood our other goalkeepers a little bit more i mean again what do i know vlaco knows way more and maybe we'll see that more and more from these but i was a little disappointed in that yeah yeah it just uh, seems that, like the numbers you know really work out cleanly to give all three a start um yeah and i think you know knowing what we anticipated against argentina what we largely saw you know it really there it was not a, you know there were not a lot of shots that came jane campbell's way in that argentina game and, you know, perhaps it would have been more desirable to give her a game against Brazil mm, uh, and yeah. then, you know, Casey Murphy against Argentina, um, you know, and see what, you know, see what you have. Because my ongoing fear continues to be, 
Alyssa Nair in the Olympics uh, pulls a hamstring, uh, you know, gets red carded for denial of a goal scoring opportunity, something like that. And then, uh, and then, you know, what's the experience level of your backup goalkeeper? Um, if, if we take Ashlyn Harris, uh, who's definitely the most experienced goalkeeper after that. Okay. Um, uh, and, if that's the plan and then and then you're incorporating these other goalkeepers over the next couple of years after the Olympics, you know, I, I can certainly respect that. But um, uh, but I, I, I think we could still cover all of our bases by giving these other players additional games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's not up to us. I will make it up to you, though. I do want to hear your current uh, 18th. My current eighteen in just a okay. second, though. But let's so I'll let you okay. warm up to that. I'll let you scramble and take some notes. Okay. Um, Tierna Davidson looks like a totally able. Uh, what's the word? Heir to the throne back there in the seat to Abby Dahlkemper, or I'm not sure. I I I'm a, I assume that Dahlkemper and Sauerbrunn will sunset at similar times, uh, but I don't know if that's true. And and um, Tierna Davidson looks looks totally fit to inherit that position. Um, do you feel the same way? And is there anyone alongside her who's sort of positioned to rise up uh, in the ranks with her when the time comes? Tierna Davidson, uh, I would say generally has been considered the heir apparent to Becky Sauerbrunn and has been for some time. And I think that has only been slowed by injuries to Davidson Um she fractured her ankle in the lead up to the World Cup and wasn't all the way back. And I think she had some lingering uh, kind of nerve damage related to that fracture, which kind of slowed her up. Um, and so and that, that's not the first. Um, I think she also had like a foot fracture as well. So she's been she's been battling injuries on and off. But for a while, she's also she's another Stanford player that left early. Uh, she left early. And joined the NWSL right before the Olympics, um, because basically it was communicated to her by Ellis that she needed to be playing professionally to have a shot at the Olympic roster. Uh, Davidson is great on the ball, great vision, very calm. She's got, I think, a little more speed than Sauerbrunn. Uh, Sauerbrunn is is definitely uh, a, 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 a bit older than than Dahlkemper. I think Dahlkemper is. 26 27 something like oh, that all right. and, and so not fair to doll kemper so this might be a staggered this is a, so it could be a davidson doll kemper uh reign for some period of time uh you know potentially i think also alana cook uh who we didn't see in this tournament is also knocking on the door um I mentioned her before last uh, show. She's playing for PSG in France mm-hmm. and didn't get released for this tournament. Uh also slight correction um, I said last time that Cook was not available because she believes Cup was outside of a FIFA window. Uh, I'm incorrect about that. It was a FIFA window, but there are special COVID rules mm-hmm. that allow a club team not to release a player if there was going to be greater than a five-day quarantine upon returning, and there was a greater than five-day quarantine for a player returning from the U.S. to France. So that's why Cook wasn't released. That's also why a lot of Canada's best players weren't released. And is that um, also why uh, Katarina Macario went back early? I think that probably was. I think that was probably a deal that they made with Lyon. 
Um, that Leon said, hey, we'll release her, but you got to send her back early. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that was that as well. So, you know, I think they said, Leon said, we could say no entirely and be within our rights, but how about you? You sent her back um, after the first game. And, right, and the right. U.S. Said, said fine. Shake hands. Uh, fair play. So, yeah, so Tierna yeah, Davidson so is super is also, good. Uh, and then on the way. Cook, is, Cook is knocking on the door. Um, I haven't seen her enough to know whether she can replicate Dahl Kemper's ball-playing ability. Davidson can, um, and Davidson is more of a left-sided player. Um, so, you you know, we may end up with a Davidson-Cook uh, replacement, but I, who knows? Uh, but that Davidson is definitely knocking on the door, and um, I think that we're, we're in good hands if and when, you know, she takes over. Mm-hmm. So, um, Katarina Macario, uh, it was, she, she had some minutes, uh, especially against Canada, the game versus Canada, the first of three was by far the most competitive. I think, um, the, the, the Brazil and the Argentina game felt more similar than the scorelines look to me. And the, the game versus Canada was, was tight. Um, I thought, which was surprising, right? Because Canada did seem to be missing some of their stars, et cetera, et cetera. But they came to ball. They came to ball without a doubt. And the U.S. were struggling, I think, to to break down the Canadian national team for a very long time, for a very long time, until uh, Katarina Macario and Megan Rapino, among others, were substituted out of this game for Kristen Press and Rose Lavelle, who ultimately broke the game open. Um it is it it those two players in particular. You mentioned press in your standouts uh, at the beginning, but Roosevelt as well for me stand out head and shoulders above even some names you know and love like Megan Rapinoe, Carly Lloyd, um, and I mean those. I think those are the the two. Alex Morgan as well, um, who sort of people folks who seem like totally obvious locked in. Uh, starters who for me are their their names are speaking a little bit louder than their play in this tournament at least and maybe you know maybe I'm not seeing their league play as much but um Kwame before we get to your 18 uh or maybe you can use your 18 to answer the question where do you think that Chris impress and like did they impress you as much as they impressed me and where where does the true leadership of this team lie right now like if if we're in a if we're in a must win versus versus a really good team as canada was proved to be um on the day who where is the actual um spark going to come from the sort of moment of genius or moment of passion that like opens up a, a tight game uh where's the leadership coming from well well so one thing i would say first is that you know u.s canada is pretty much always a scrap uh, you know, it's a big rivalry game. Canada gets up for the game. There's a lot of familiarity. Um, and I think they also have a new coach who I think impressed a lot of people with um, with what she put out tactically. And, you know, the U.S. was rusty. And I think when when teams are rusty, then, you know, um, effort and grit and the psychological aspects come into play a lot. And I think Canada was not really going to flinch um, in, in this game at all, no matter who they had on the field. Um, in terms of your larger question as to who 
you know, who's going to be the spark on this team when, when times are, when times are tough, when it's crunch time. I think the strength of this team is that you can't really say who that's going to be. There's so many options Mm -hmm. for it. Um, And if you need to bring someone off the bench to change the game, you can legitimately bring someone off the bench who has the capacity to change the game through their talent and not just let's, you know, let's try this different thing and hope that it works uh, where, where other teams with less depth sometimes get stuck. So yeah, the U.S. is very lucky in that in that respect. Uh, I, you know, I think Kristen Press is uh, in the midst of a spectacular run. Uh, she has been, I think, for a couple a couple of years, um, and so I think that she's definitely someone for us to look to. Um, and there there are a few other plays as well. Maybe this is a reasonable segue into my into my 18 all right let's do it um, let's do it and and it can be in in no particular so i didn't get a clear answer from you but i is okay all right all right you, Car- you can bring it back and, and rewind it if i if i have an answer by the end of the 18. okay all right let's do this thing let's do this thing are you do you want it to be taken in a vague order of any kind or is this just 18 i was gonna go position by position okay and is this the 18 that I would pick or who I think Vlad is Oh, this pick? is 1,000% the 18 that you would pick. Okay. Uh, reach out to us on Twitter at WTP Pod. We want to hear your 18s as well for the WNT Olympic time. Uh, and we're all going to find out Vlatko's. But right now, right here and here only, let's talk about Kwame's 18. Okay. So, goalie... Take two goalies, Alyssa Nair, uh, and if it's me, I am taking. Uh, I'm I'm taking Ashlyn Harris because I just don't think the other goalies have gotten enough international high level experience, oh, which God. I would have given them, but I don't think they have it. Right. The uh, um, this this the prophecy has fulfilled itself. Yeah. Um, for the I'm going to take six defenders. Uh, Crystal Dunn, Becky Sauerbrunn, Abby Dahlkemper, Kelly O'Hara, no difficulty there. Tierna Davidson, and I'm taking Casey Kruger. Ooh, let's go. Midfield, five midfielders. The big four, Julie Hertz, Lindsay Horan, Samantha Muse, Rose Lavelle. And then... I raved about Katarina Macario last time, but I've thought it over. She ain't ready. Christy Mewis. Oh, wow. Christy Mewis. Okay. Yeah. Christy Mewis. I think, um, um, I think that she's just ready to go and polished and can be relied upon to give like, you know, eight out of 10 performance. Sure. I'm not saying I I didn't see it at she, this, she believes, but how much of this is the three games we just watched and how much of it is her pedigree with the team? Mewis or Mewis? Um, I think it is. It's the her form in these games against Colombia now, and she believes. But then also, uh, she she has been on a tear um, in the club game, um, Houston, mm. this past year in both the Challenge Cup and the and the Fall Series. Uh, you know, she was one of the outstanding players in the league. 
her team won the you know the the championship in the in the Challenge Cup, uh, and in no small part due to her contributions. Uh, and so I think that she's she's ready to. I think this is I think this is in some ways her prime, and I think that Mercari, although they have a higher ceiling, uh, I think the games in the She Believes Cup proved, or at least indicated that she is still you know she's she's a young player she is still gonna get sort of caught up in the moment i think a little bit and not necessarily have the poise and u.s when she's gotten the opportunity like the ball's gone in the net and that's kind of been the thing for her for the last year so after working her way back from injury so that's why i'm giving u.s the nod over macario in the midfield that's a big step all right so it's julia it's lindsey horan muis and who's the fourth um, sorry, Haran, Mewis, Haran, both Mewises, or Lavelle. Lavelle. Both yeah. Mewises and Lavelle. Okay. Yeah. I like it. I like it. That's my fun. Um, a little Mighty, Mighty Ducks, uh, sibling, sibling situation occurring. Love it. And who do we have up front? Up front. Kristen Press, Alex Morgan, Tobin Heath. If healthy, I'm, I'm I'm banking on Tobin Heath being healthy because she's supposed to be back a good three months before the Olympics. Final two slots. Wait, so we have Alex Morgan, Kristen Press, yes. Tobin Heath. That's yes. your starting three. That I think is my starting three. I think. Okay. And then, so we're we're choosing for one more slot or two more slots. Two more slots. Okay. Megan Rapino. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Lynn Williams. <laughs> oh, Carly Lloyd, your time has come. And I do, I say that with, you know, with Deep some respect. reservations. Yeah, and, Many and reservations. With, <laughs> yeah, well, and heavy heart, because I think Carly yeah. Lloyd is still an incredible player. The reason that I would say, and this is, this is putting myself a little bit in Vlaco shoes. Mm-hmm, hmm The... Olympics is a tournament that is even, I think, has even closer packed, tighter packed in terms of schedule than the World Cup. Um, it's sort of like a game kind of every three days. Um, the style, the pressing style that Vlaco wants to play, uh, I think Lynn Williams just offers so much uh, in terms of what she can do defensively and offensively. Uh, I think her assists are really strong. And she is a really capable goal scorer. She's, she's one of the leading goal scorers in NWSL history. Um, now, a couple of... I'm, I'm going to go into a little more detail because I think Lynn Williams is, is one of the more controversial figures right now in uh, in USWNT so what's circles. the so for those of for those on the other side of that uh, what are the critiques of Lynn Williams in this in this rift basically the critiques of Lynn Williams is that she she needs she's not as clinical a finisher she mm. she needs a lot of opportunities to score um, and I think you saw a little bit of that in these games um, I think particularly against Brazil. Um, you know, there were a couple of opportunities where uh, I think she was in the open field and um, a, a more direct and said confident finisher, I think, is, is more cl- is more clinical and gets some goals. 
Uh, I think some of those opportunities came when she was really gassed from all the running she had done. But uh, but I think that that's basically the only criticism of Lynn Williams is that you, in terms of, you know, if you just look at scoring records, in terms of uh, who is the better finisher, you would say that Carly Lloyd has been and probably remains as such. But Lynn Williams has improved every year, I would say, over the past several years. It's something she has really worked on. And there are other aspects of her game that, um, you know, that really have to be reckoned with. She's a really good crosser of the ball. Mm-hmm. Uh, she, um, as I said, she's a really good defender. Um, and I think the sometimes a lazy analysis is just to talk about her speed. Um, and... But it, it does have to be included in terms of her attributes because <laughs> yeah. she she is she's, she's you know, she, I mega think she's fast. The, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I think she's incredibly the, fast. The, she's incredibly fast. She's, yeah, she uh, can run people down like you wouldn't believe. So. so she's got she's one of those players that's sort of gotten herself to a point where she's a little undroppable for reasons, including uh, but not limited to speed uh, things like crossing as well. Um, yeah, I think, I mean, she has started every game, every game that Vlaco has been the head coach of the US WNT, Lynn Williams has started, with the exception of this last game against Argentina, where uh, there was a big well, squad rotation. That says a lot. That says a lot, right? And I, it, know, almost, I think, it also, this game against Argentina felt a little bit like if you got the start, that was a bad sign. <laughs> to be honest, uh, yeah, I mean, you're, you know, you're, you know, they're probably the, the second day. one to an extent. Yeah. Um, so people, you know, some people have have you know concerns about that, and I think that a healthy Tobin Heath probably for me starts over Lynn Williams. Uh, but Lynn Williams is really versatile. You can play her in the center forward. I think the right wing of a front three is where is where she prefers to play or where Vlaco prefers her to play. But with her club team, she plays, you know, as a central striker as part of a front two, or at least has historically. Mm. So, you know, you can pretty much play her anywhere across the front line if need be. And you can say the same for press. So I think also it's the versatility for Lynn Williams. So it because seems, I, I don't think you yeah. can play Carly Lloyd as in, in as many positions. So if Lynn Williams has, has earned her spot, right, and then we've got... I think Megan Rapino is just not quite droppable yet. She's not sub eighteen. She just brings too much. She brings too much. I think uh, she's the coolest. I think she's the coolest head. Yeah, in the room it's the, at it's any her. Yeah, and it's not yeah. just it's it's her decision making. It's her competitive spirit. You know, she mm-hmm. will fight for things that no one even thinks to fight for. Um, little inches here and there. That is that that. Uh, you can't you can't teach that you can't replace it. Okay, so uh, I think that the most difficult choice here is for me not between Lynn Williams and Carly Lloyd, but between Alex Morgan of today and Carly Lloyd. Um, what has Alex Morgan? What gives her the edge in this discussion for you? Um, I think that healthy Alex Morgan. Um, Offers a little bit more I mean, than Carly Lloyd, just a just a a, a, a scooch more. Okay, I and think what that she's, percentage of of 
Alex Morgan, vintage, 100% Alex Morgan. Where on the spectrum would you place her performance at She Believes? At a, yeah, or whatever. Just for context. I guess I'm asking because I'm not sure if I'm totally personally, you know, as I'm learning the team, I don't know if I'm totally understand where her ceiling is at and like what her, what impact um, maybe I'm and, and it, and how, f- cause to me, I guess what I'm saying is in these, from what I've seen, I forget, I don't think she made appearances in all three games. Maybe she did, but she didn't, she, she, she got a bunch of minutes in these three games. Uh, and, and f- I'm not seeing quite the impact that the name carries from Alex Morgan, but I'm, but maybe I'm tripping. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm seeing it wrong. Uh, and I'm just curious what your thoughts on that were. I think you're not wrong. I think that, um, Carly Lloyd performance perhaps was above Alex Morgan's in this tournament. Um, both players are coming off of a pretty long layoff. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, Alex Morgan, you know, she played in the in the World Cup and I think got a concussion post um, post World Cup and then um, and then was pregnant and, you know, missed and, and pregnancy encompassed a lot of uh, sort of 2020 for her. Uh, she went in this, you know, this past uh, fall, she signed with Tottenham. And went over to England to play a little bit, um, but she didn't play that much. You know, she was still working her way back, and uh, the games that she got were mostly um, sort of cameo appearances. I'm not sure that she got in a full ninety in the time that she was at Tottenham. I think which was about ten games or so, uh, and then she came back. And then the the last January camp, uh, she got COVID. Um, and so was recovering from that. So she's she's had this pretty prolonged layoff. Um, and so she, out of everyone on in camp, you know, she probably would have been the rustiest. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that probably was reflected a little bit. Uh, and sort of not just rusty, but also, you know, um, where she at in terms of workouts and, and sort of things like that. There's been a, a ton of transition. For her, um, you know, she's still got a young uh, child. Uh, so, you know, what's her sleep like? All these things that are really important for, for elite athletes. Uh, when at 100%, uh, I think that Morgan uh, is a bit better of a, of a scorer than Carly Lloyd is. Uh, I think that she... Is a covers a little bit more ground, um, and you know I think I think her runs are just a little bit more challenging to the defensive back line. Hmm. Uh, Carly Lloyd's are are super well timed and uh, and and powerful, but I think um, doesn't quite have I think the acceleration of of Alex Morgan. Um, you know, it's interesting though that you, Alex you know, Morgan you also this. has that superpower of like getting a clean finish from any, no matter what the angle of approach. You know, yeah, she has that like you know um, that sixth sense for just somehow 
getting getting it. It's going to one of the corners of the goal, and it's like a clean hit, regardless. Yeah, that's what I mean. That she's a better scorer. Yeah, yeah. Um, than than uh, than Lloyd, who I mean, we all know Lloyd can bang in goals like, for sure. Like, but she's more of business. like a yeah, more of a terrier. She's like you know, at this moment in time, I guess more of a terrier fighting. Yeah. She used to be more of like a long distance sniper. Yeah, you know, you know, it's interesting. Actually, I was I, I went down a little bit of a, a pleasant rabbit hole. I think last week of um, you know women's national team highlights from you know, like kind of like between 2012 and 2015, um, and so seeing like the Alex Morgan and uh, and Carly Lloyd of like eight years ago, mm-hmm. uh, and it's 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 you know it's really remarkable um, to kind of see. It's easy to I think to forget that as good as these two players are um you know neither of them are arguably right now at their prime and their prime was absolutely terrifying um uh i mean alex morgan i think was is was so was so quick i mean she's quick now but she was so quick she was almost more of like a winger like watching something that was like 2012 olympic um Uh highlights it's 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 really it's really interesting to sort of turn back the clock but but i digress a little bit but so i i would have so I have yeah alex at their morgan fittest and, and alex morgan's trajectory Im- certainly implies uh fully fit within you know by the time the olympics olympics sure. come around um, but i i think that more than than you know but these are really fine margins and i think that club form uh more than it has in the past is really going to make a big difference into her into who gets called up, and then really any sort of injury concern. I think there are very yeah. few players yeah. whose whose spot is so assured that a you know that a, a questionable knock is gonna isn't gonna leave them on the plane off yeah. the plane. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. Don't leave anyone on the plane. On top of the plane at the time <laughs> it takes off. So, um, so what do you want to leave people with here in terms of getting ready for the next time we're going to watch this team play? Well, there's some friendly, there's some friendlies in April. Okay. Um, and I think those friendlies are going to take place in Europe, I think is the current plan. Okay. Um, but the opponents have not been announced. So I would advise people to, you know, keep a close eye on, on those games when they're announced who, you know, who plays, who goes over. But, you know, as we were saying before, club form is probably going to be a really big thing. So when the NWSL um, uh, kicks up, definitely check that out. Keep yourself enlightened uh, and, and keep an eye on this super tight competition that's that's going to rumble all the way up to when uh, rosters have to be announced. It's We The Peeps. We the peeps. Welcome to We the Peeps. Are you ready for We the Peeps? Holy moly, it's We the Peeps.